You're listening to Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Now, here's Pastor Scott. So last week, the message was titled, The Judgment of God, The Love of God, and The Durability of God's Word. We finished off 1 Peter 1. If you're new, I encourage you to, to read 1 Peter chapter 1. Um, if you want, you can catch up online as well. The today's title is Milk That Does a Body Good. And we're going to be in 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. You've all heard the got milk catchphrase, I'm sure, right? You remember that advertising that camp- campaign they had back in the 90s? And all the celebrities, you know, the, had sported the milk mustache. Even the Simpsons got in on that. Um, but before that, in the 1980s, <clears throat> the, the catchphrase was actually milk, it does a body good. And yes, milk is good for you. It adds calcium and it helps you to have strong bones and healthy teeth, although it doesn't really build muscles like they claimed it to. The reality is that the advertising firm used a tactic on all of us called deprivation marketing, stating that if you're not drinking milk, then you're going to be weak, you're going to be feeble, you're going to be unable to accomplish all that you want to accomplish. Milk. Milk, a drink that does make you strong. It enhances the taste of everything you eat. After all, who doesn't uh, like a cold glass of milk while they're eating a piece of chocolate cake or a handful of Oreos to dunk in it? Or maybe you like a warm glass of milk before bed. Or if you like green chili or spicy food, there's actually enzymes in milk that calm down the tongue, (laughs) the taste buds, that lessen the burn. And milk has been part of God's creation for the very beginning of time. And all throughout history, we see its life-giving uses. We also see some strange things. Uh, Popeye, Roman Emperor Nero's second wife, she had 500 donkeys that would provide enough milk for her to bathe in. Dairy farmers in the UK did a study, and they claimed that if you would name your cow, that the cow would actually produce more milk. The average cow produces 90 glasses of milk a day, 200,000 glasses of milk over a lifetime. And a cow's udder holds 25 to 50 pounds of milk, which is an utterly amazing fact. (laughs) You're welcome. However, this morning, we're not focusing on taking milk baths or naming cows. Our passage this morning, really it's the reality that we're to desire God's word the same way that a newborn baby desires milk for food. We should crave spiritual milk, truth. The reality is that if we want to be healthy Christians, if we want to grow and we want to mature, then we need that proper nutrition. So let's read our text, 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. 
Therefore, putting aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Again, we start with therefore, and as we move into chapter 2, it's simply a continuation of the thought that we've been working on in 1 Peter 1. And remember, the theme of our study is to be strong in the midst of persecution, to be hopeful in the midst of trials. He reminds them and us that we have hope because of Christ. And Peter challenges us to keep sober-minded, to hold every thought captive as unto Christ. And last week, the aspect of being judged for our words and deeds, but also the fact that God loves you and I so much that he redeemed us. And then we ended this study last week with a focus on the durability of God's word. And because of that word, we are born again. The word of God that is durable and everlasting. First Peter 1.25, but the word of the Lord endures forever, and this was the word that was preached to you. This is also the word that is preached to you this morning and every Sunday when we get together. It endures. Therefore, because of all of this, he gives us the concept that the milk of God's word as we study Scripture, we see a great deal of encouragement to be students, to be lovers of His Word, to delight in it, to delight in the truth of His Word. And in Psalms 1, 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a, a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. You see, God provides all. There's that word again, all. He provides all we need when we leave, live in complete submission to him. He truly loves us. He, he wants us, he wants to bless us. He, he wants to bless us when we're obedient to him. He's walking ahead of us. He's preparing the way. He wants to bring good and pleasant things to us. He wants to bring us to good and pleasant places. He doesn't tell us that we won't have trials, that we won't have tribulations, but he does give the hope that we'll be victorious in the end. But we need to be in the Word, not just in the hard times, but, but you know, we kind of get complacent and we get relaxed. Things are going pretty good and we kind of push the Bible over a little bit. When things are going easy, we should be pulling it back tighter and closer and opening it up and going even deeper. Don't be complacent. Do the work. Job said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary Food. Jeremiah said, Your words were found, O Lord, and I did eat them, and they were made to me the joy and, and the rejoicing of my heart. In Psalms 119, there's 184 references to Scripture, to the Word of God, to the testimonies of God. And to that, he says, Your testimonies are also my delight and my counselors. 
And really that's what Peter has in mind as he brings us to this point with therefore. He introduces this theme of delighting in and craving after, desiring the word of God. And in doing this, it reminds us to love each other and to share the hope of redemption with others that we received through his word. That our relationship with God and this whole process, it's cyclical. You receive Christ. You crave his word. You grow and mature. You share your hope, the hope you received with others. They receive Christ. They crave his word. They grow and they mature, sharing the hope of Christ with others, and so on, and so on. You guys remember the phrase, you are what you eat? What'd you have for breakfast? The sick, no, I'm just kidding, I don't know. <laughs> you are bacon, no. In and out, God bless you, Aaron. This, oh, it was Keon? Oh, okay, well, I had to be one of you two. <laughs> <laughs> all right this saying you are what you eat has been traced back to uh, Athlan Servan he's a lawyer an author a food lover in regards to how it affects the body and he wrote this statement in 1826 in his book called the physiology of taste the premise of the quote is that if you eat healthy food you're going to be healthy if you eat unhealthy food you're going to be unhealthy so the question is, do you live to eat or do you eat to live? Rhetorical question, of course, but, but what do you eat the most of? Is it sweets? Is it carbs? Is it meat? Are you a burrito? Are you a burger? You and I are what we eat. If you're like a squirrel, you eat lots of nuts. Does that mean you're... Never mind. I'll quit making it personal about your eating because really what it is, it's about spiritually, what is it that you're feeding on? Are you craving to fill your very soul? As we go through this, we're going to look at three things to, to help us improve or intensify our spiritual appetite. Uh, three ways to bring spiritual maturity. One, in verse three, pay attention to what you're tasting and consuming. Two, avoid food that is not good for you. Avoid the junk food, verse one. And then three, feed on the truths of God's word faithfully, in verse two. As you see this morning, we're, we're gonna do a little different approach. I'm actually gonna start with verse three, and then we're gonna come back to one and two. Verse three says, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord... And we all use this little word, if, and usually I encourage you not to get caught up in the what-ifs of life. But in this case, as it's pointing out, if this is true, then you will naturally desire the milk of God's word. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. It could also be translated, since you indeed have tasted. If or since you have tasted the kindness, the graciousness of the Lord, push back all the junk food, push it aside, make room for the good stuff, the real food. And as you taste something, you personally experience it. You and I have tasted that God is kind, that God is indeed good. 
God tastes better than sin. God's righteousness and graciousness tastes better than, than any of the earthly pleasures combined. And once you've tasted his goodness, then you're hooked. Psalms 34, 8 through 10 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints. For those of you who fear him, there is no want. Young lions do lack and suffer, but those who seek the Lord will not be in want of any good thing. It's here that David is inviting us to see what God is all about, to taste and to see. Um, you know, he, he, he's, Peter's talking about what the, the Costco people do, right? They get the little cart set up. And they're cooking that little thing there and it smells really good. And you come by and you take a little taste. And like, oh, I'm going to buy that now. He's saying, taste. I want you to do a taste test. He's discovered something amazing and he wants you to taste it. According to James 1.17, we know that every good thing given and every perfect gift is from God, is from above. So we can trust in him to do what only he can do. Young lions, they hunt for food, and yet they may go hungry. But what are we called to do in our time of need? Seek the Lord. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Seek him first. We've got to align ourselves with God first. Even when everything seems to be going well, we've got to dig in and prepare. This is going to help position ourselves for that next battle or that next trial that's going to come. You can read throughout the Psalms and see David repeat this process. That's why I tell you, as I felt like this week, I finally got a reprieve. I can breathe. And I got a little deeper into God's Word, <laughs> pressed in a little harder on prayer, had some deeper conversations with other brothers in the Lord prepare. And you look at the order that it's written. See, we want to taste things first and then see if it's good. If I can't see it, then I will taste it. But God says he wants to taste it first and then you'll see. So the question then for you is, are you paying attention to what it is that you're tasting spiritually? Are you paying attention to what, what you're bringing into that palate? what you're consuming. Do you remember the day that you first surrendered your life to the Lord? That, that unexpected, uh, unexplainable feeling of a burden being lifted. I, I remember hitting my knees and praying, surrendering my life, and I just remember that, that burden I was carrying, it just, it's hard to explain, it just was gone. Like all of a sudden, there was, that, there was no longer that weight on me. There was no, I couldn't hear angels singing, there was no bright light or vision, but it was simply a release of everything that, that I had been carrying. That guilt was gone. I was free. I felt free because I had tasted the kindness and the graciousness of God. Think of it this way. Your whole life, you grew up eating hamburger helper, mac and cheese, tube steak, hot dogs, TV dinners, canned soup, maybe even some spam. And then one day you're taken to a nice restaurant and they bring out fresh baked bread, fresh salad, an appetizer maybe, and some steak and lobster, nice loaded baked potato, and a fresh piece of cheesecake. 
How many of you are running straight to lunch as soon as we're done? <laughs> right? You, you, it's so good. You've never tasted anything like this. Once you've had that, you're ruined, aren't you? Your taste buds have encountered a whole new world. You've tasted that. It, it, it's hard to go back to the hot dogs and mac and cheese or the TV dinners and canned soup. But what God has to offer, once you taste it, you don't want to go back. The problem is we tend to forget, don't we? How good it really is. We tend to forget the blessings that God has given us. That's why I always encourage people. It's a good idea to, to stop consistently and remember what it is that God has done. Even write it down. We forget. We get bogged down. The pressures of life come in and, and kind of squish us in a little bit. And, and we forget how God answered us before and how he blessed us before and, and met us at that point of need. We forget. We get grumpy. We get frustrated. Maybe even angry. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 51.1, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, the quarry from which you were dug. We don't live in the past, and we need to let the past go so we can walk forward to where God wants us to be. But, but there's times where we've got to go back to that pit. Don't get in it, but look down in there. See where you used to be in that pig slop that you used to feast on. Go back and remember, that's okay. But to do so is to say, man, I don't ever want to go back there. I don't ever want to be in that place again. Because I've tasted and seen God's goodness and God's grace. It's so easy for us to get pulled down into the darkness that seems to envelop us. It's all around us. It's everybody we run into outside on the street or at work or wherever we're at. It's in those times that we need to remember the good things, to remember that delicious steak and lobster, to think of the prayers that have been answered or the scriptures sent in, in the midst of crisis or those words of encouragement and even provision when needed. God has met you in those points of need and he'll meet you again. Oh, that we could remember on a daily basis just how good God really is. So question for you is, can we not have that same thought spiritually? Once we've tasted how gracious God is, you're going to want more. It's going to change your reality forever. That's the thought of that passage. Grab a hold of what it is that you have tasted that freedom that we have in Christ. I have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So that's number one. Pay attention to what you're tasting. We have the kindness of God and a great need for it. Then we go back up to verse one. We look at food that is not good for you, junk food even. Food that will actually hinder growth and, and through your attitudes and through your actions. Look at verse one. It says, therefore, putting aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander all as Christians we've got to avoid food that is not good for us that junk food their attitudes and actions that actually hinder our growth we know what junk food is cakes and biscuits and chocolates and sweets and processed foods and chips I could switch this over to a message on gluttony but that's not where we're going 
Things that if we consume, if we consume those things before our meal, then it's going to ruin our appetite for the good food that's on its way. So Peter lists out five things that are junk food in our spiritual diet. We should hate this kind of junk food. If you eat these things on a daily basis, you're going to lose your appetite for the good stuff. Malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. They don't even sound good as you say them. These are relational sins. They, they all have to do with other people. And Peter's pointing out the fact that they're bad for your spiritual health, that you must get rid of them. Exerting self-control, you must aggressively push them away. You must say no to them. Listen, any time that we have sin in our lives, any sin, doesn't matter what it is, if there's sin in our life, it blocks the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It blocks the nutrients that we should be receiving from God and from his word. Sin takes away our appetite for truth. It clouds our ability to hear from God. It is then when the devil gets a foothold in our lives and pulls us away from God's truth. Did you hear that? Sin takes away our appetite for truth. It clouds our ability to hear from God. Sin gives the devil a foothold in our lives and pulls us away. That's how powerful sin is. Again, I ask you, are, are you living to eat or are you eating to live? And there is a difference. Food gives our physical body nutrients needed to heal, uh, to repair damage, to prevent us from being sick. Everything we put in our mouths should have some nutritional value, not take away from it. If it takes away from you, then it's slowly killing you. In our world, outside of the spiritual realm, what are you putting into your body that's killing you. Get rid of it. Remove it. So verse one starts with therefore, because everything that we've been talking about, because of the hope of salvation in Jesus Christ. But in that, we must do something. We must put aside. That is to put away or cast off or lay down or set it down. Get rid of it. It says to put aside some of it, right? You can hold on to a little. No, it says put away all, all of it, every bit, everything, hold nothing back, and not just once in a lifetime. You know, it's one of those things where you think, well, I did that when I was six. should be good to go. It's yearly. It's daily. Maybe it's even moment by moment. Continually put it aside. Even the writer in Hebrews echoes the same sentiment in, in Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is before us lay aside the sins that tangle you up so you can finish the race well that's the goal finish well eternity in heaven finish well so let's take a quick look at these five junk foods that Peter listed malice the first one it's gen a general word for ill will, an attitude that eventuates into words that are said and deeds that are done. It begins inside and eventually you speak it out. It's a desire to cause harm. 
It's, it's someone who is not ashamed to break the law. And you will hear it from people's mouths. You'll hear exactly who they are and where they're at if you listen carefully. Luke 6, 45, at the end of the verse, it says, his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Malice among Christians will quickly cause you to lose your appetite to put aside that junk food. Deceit. The word literally means to bait a hook. Computer understands this as a fisherman. You use a worm or a smaller fish to hide that hook and, and, and the fish bites and they're caught. Deceit is when you manipulate people in order to get what you want. You use lies and you hide any truth that goes against what you want. Proverbs 12, 5, the thoughts of the righteous are just, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. And there's hypocrisy. How many hypocrites do we have in the room? That's why I saw four hands up. <laughs> Condemnation through someone who's claiming one thing but living another. An actor or a stage player, someone who wears a mask. A hypocrite is somebody who pretends to be something that he or she is not. Matthew 15, 7 through 9 says, You hypocrites rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Hi, this is Pastor Scott from Foothills Calvary. I hope the Lord is speaking to you through today's message. I wanted to just take a second and invite you to join us for worship services at Foothills Calvary. We meet Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. If you'd like more information on Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. Now let's get back to our study. I pray that the Lord will continue to speak to you by his Holy Spirit. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. And there's envy, jealousy, or spite, coveting. It's what one writer said is the last sin that Christians will confess because it's so ugly. Envy is what's going on in your heart when somebody is blessed around you. And you're mad because they got something that, that you did and something good happened to them. Or, or you're joyful when misfortune happens to somebody else. It's the attitude of saying that I should have what they have and I don't. And that breeds an attitude deep within. James 3, 13 through 15 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter envy, and self-seeking in your hearts do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Then there's slander or evil speaking. Literally, the Greek word means to speak down, to talk down on someone, to gossip. It's taking cheap shots in conversations. Psalms 101.5, whoever secretly slanders his neighbor him I will destroy. No one who has a haughty look and an arrogant heart will I endure. So even in that, it could be a raised eyebrow. It could be a sentence that you leave unfinished. You start saying, oh yeah, well, well never mind. I don't want to say anything bad. But you just did. You're talking down 
that person's reputation, backbiting or rumors. You see, all of these things must be put down. They must be set down. It's junk food that'll get in the way of all that God has for you. This list and literally any sin that you leave unchecked in your life will indeed stop the flow of the Holy Spirit. It'll stop your ability to correctly hear God's voice in any given situation. It's when all you see is the junk food. You forget that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And if you're feeding on junk food, you become a person who is cantankerous and complaining, always talking down to other people. They're always on the downside, always negative, always in their fleshly opinion to drive their interaction with believers. The reason a person becomes this way is that person has forgotten how gracious God has been to them. And when you forget how gracious God has been to you, an undeserving sinner, then you start getting ungracious towards other people. The big idea here, Charles Stanley says, we must rid ourselves of anything that hinders our walk with the Lord. We must repent of it, which means we agree with God that that behavior is against his will and we've got to change our course. We must deal with our sinfulness radically so that it brings blessings. Those blessings can flow and we can experience life at its very best. That brings us to our third point, to feed on truth faithfully. Verse two, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Humans, when they're in the infant stage of life, they have the highest growth rate. Um, if you've been around babies, you know what I mean. They change every week. There's something that's happening. It's hard sometimes when you're with them every day to see it. But uh, Benny this week brought Sergio and Leah to visit me, and uh, he's getting big. I hadn't seen him out of the car seat, and all of a sudden, here's this, this big kid. <laughs> he's growing. He's growing. He's taking in nutrition. God's creation is so amazing. I look at my granddaughters, and it's amazing to watch them grow, and sometimes as I'm watching them play and I'm listening to them talk, I think, wow. When did they start doing that? How did that happen? When did that happen? Blows my mind. The, the vocabulary, the wisdom. <laughs> you guys are starting to run now because he's walking. Exercise is coming. And they grow. Each of my grandkids, when they were babies, when it was time for milk, they politely said, please, may I have some milk? No. <laughs> what did they do? Cried. Screamed. They were very vocal about it. And as we heard them cry, we didn't chastise them and tell them to learn their manners and say, please. The reality is that the milk was a necessity for them, not just a convenience. They need it to grow. They need it to remain healthy. It is necessary for life. As Peter writes this, he's not calling them a, a bunch of babies, although he may have wanted to from time to time, He's not implying that they're acting like spiritual babies, you know, immature believers. Some of these people are set in their faith. They're very mature. And Peter's not saying that we need to avoid the meat of God's word and just love milk. What he's saying is that they should crave God's word the very same way that a baby craves milk. And if you do that, it'll bring great health to you spiritually as you walk with the Lord. 
The exhortation is that we long for or desire God's word passionately, vigorously, intensely, having a got-to-have-it mentality. I need to be in his word. So the question is, have you pushed away the junk food so you can take in the good stuff? What do you crave? What are your priorities each day, each week? Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. He didn't say, Blessed are the casual snackers. Blessed are those who snack on Sunday and don't open their Bibles until the next time they're in church. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. So the question for you is, what are you craving for what are you craving for God's word like? Are you all in? Is it, is it like a newborn baby? Oh man, I didn't get in the word today. I have to get in the word. That's the main point of this passage, that all Christians should crave spiritual truth. And if that's not you, then you need to pray. You need to ask God to, to deepen that desire that you too would crave God's word, that you would saturate yourself with his word. Um, I even have an app that it's got, you know, you can get the audio Bible, right? I can put my earbuds in. I can have the word going continually even when I'm doing other things. I, I listen to other podcasts, listen to other pastors as they teach God's word. Saturate yourself. Develop a passion and a craving for God's word and, and watch how it changes your life. If you've ever listened to old Billy Graham messages. Have, we know who Billy Graham is, right? We all do. If you ever listen to what he says, as he's teaching, you will hear him say, the Bible says, continually throughout that message. Because what is he going to for that truth? The Bible. He's using God's word. That is where truth comes from. You look at the fruit of his ministry, even today after he's gone, God's word, the Bible says, the Bible will endure. So set a goal to grow. Develop a passion for God's word and watch that desire grow. And we look at it again, it says the pure milk of the word. No additives, no, no uh, contamination. What does a baby want? Just milk, pure milk, the real deal. Because they're growing. They're trying to put on weight. I would ask you, do you want to grow? Don't mix God's truth with anything else. The pure truth of the pure word. Not a Bible plus philosophy. Not the Bible plus psychology. Not a Bible plus somebody's personal theological bent. But the pure milk of the word of God. Here's a visual for you picture in your mind. Maybe you guys are really good at this. Maybe you're going to creep yourself out in a second. Picture in your mind right now an adult wearing a diaper with a binky, a blankie, and a rattle. That's an attractive picture, isn't it? It's kind of sad, isn't it? It's not right. I know a man from ministry past that is that person. He accepted Christ as a child, but he never grew up in the Lord. He never matured. He never grew in his relationship with God. 
He stayed as a child. We can't stay there. As a Christian, we need to grow and mature. We, we need to become that adult Christian. So a question for you then, are you spiritually in the same place you were last year? What about five years ago? Are you stagnant? Have you become complacent? We must grow, we must mature. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Milk, it does the body good. The milk of God's word does your soul good. Spiritually, as you're growing, as you're becoming healthy spiritually, you will physically be healthier. They're connected. They go hand in hand. So in closing, you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Hold on to that. Don't let go of it. Don't forget how it tastes. You and I must push back all the junk food, all the sin, all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, all slander, all sin. Push it back. Get rid of it. And you and I must crave God's word passionately and consume it on a daily basis. That is what will bring hope and bring healing and bring deliverance. So even this morning as we're here and those even listening online, there's three type of people. One who would say, I'll show up. I'll just, I'll occupy a seat. I went to church. And there's others that will dress up and show up and listen. And they can say, well, I listened to the sermon. But then that third step, another step to take them would be say, I want to grow up. I want to be spiritually mature. See, we all have a choice. We can be a, a, a spiritual giant or, a, or a, a midget and not grow. It's directly proportionate to our desire. What are we feeling that desire with? Which one of those three are you this morning? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, that it's as true today as it's ever been. And Father, as we end the service uh, this morning, we pray for one, that it's the beginning for those who don't know you, that they may taste and see that you truly are good. But Lord, we also pray for those who do know you. Maybe those who have been casually snacking on your word Lord, that you would remind them of the taste of how good you are and that you would draw them back to their first love, their first love with you. God, I pray that all of us would crave your word like a newborn baby craves your word. Let us have a true hunger and a desire to grow and to mature in you. Craving and desiring for pure truth 
unadulterated, unmixed Bible truth, the, the kind that Peter and Paul describe as life-changing. Lord, you know where each one of us are. You know how to straighten us out. You know how to, to get us moving forward. Lord, you know how to provide what is needed. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you indeed meet us at that point of need and move us forward in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name. The reality is, every time we have an opportunity to hear God's word, there's an opportunity to accept Christ. We always close with the same opportunity every single service because of how important it is. That's what's important, the most important thing. So whether you're in this room or you're listening online, there's an opportunity for you. Within that reality, we know and understand that we're living in the world, yet we're not to be of the world. We're living in a sinful and self-serving world. Remember, as we talked a few weeks ago, we are responsible to do what God's word says once we hear it. We have a choice. What will we do with that choice? As we just talked about, we've got to get rid of anything that hinders our walk with the Lord. We must repent of it, which means that we agree with God that that behavior is against his will, and we've got to change our course. We've got to deal with our sinfulness radically so that his blessings can flow and we can experience life at its very best. Because if we keep living in unrepentant sin, we will not inherit eternal life. And I don't want anybody to misunderstand me this morning, those listening online, those in this room, those that will listen later on the radio if we choose not to surrender our life to God and we choose to live a life in sin, we choose not to follow God's word and direction, then the reality is what you're choosing is eternity in hell, not heaven. It's a message that it's not pleasant to our world. Our world doesn't want to hear that. It's not received well. But God sent his son to die on the cross for your sins because he loves you that much. And he has a purpose and he has a plan for your life. I would challenge you to stop running from it. Grab a hold of what God has for you. The simplicity of God's word says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room, I would say if that's you today, listening here in this room or listening online or on the radio, you can be forgiven. You can have a restored relationship with God. If that's you, pray something like this with me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me and I believe you're alive today. I repent. Please forgive me of my sin. I turn away from them. Please come into my life and be Lord of my life. And I will follow you the rest of my days. I want to taste and see your goodness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Use me to share the hope that I have now with others. Help me 
to crave your word as a baby craves milk. Help me to grow and to mature in my relationship with you. May I truly be transformed into your image through your word and the work of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I'd love to chat with you. If you're here in this room, come talk to me. I'll be down front here for prayer. Um, if you prayed online or on the radio, you can email me, scott at foothillscommon.org, and I'll reach out to you as well. This has been Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org.